Hello and welcome to another Smack Insider podcast. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Melina Halad and I will be speaking with Prasad Gundamogula, CEO of Mondi. Mondi entered into an $842 million combination agreement with IFAX Acquisition Corporation in December. It sells excess inventory in the travel and hospitality industries to closed groups within its network, while also managing a meaningful swath of travel-related marketing space. Mondi has also used the lull of the pandemic to blaze a path into higher margin verticals like fintech and insurtech through M&A. IFAX CEO Orestes Finticlis also joins to talk about the various value propositions at play for retail investors at this stage of the travel industry's recovery, and how Mondi plans to be a buyer, not a seller, with the deal's proceeds. Take a listen. So I think when a lot of people think about travel, they assume that most travel is booked on consumer-facing platforms like Kayak or Expedia. But in fact, more than half of this commerce is actually done B2B or through various associations or agencies. So, you know, Prasad, you've been in this travel business for a long time. So I know it's been obvious to you for quite some time, but just how have the dynamics of that more B2B side of the business changed over time? Yeah. So there is, um, as you know, that there's a $1 trillion market on the B2B side of it running on a very legacy platforms and uh, they do not have any latest and greatest stuff that's happening on the online side of it. You know, it, they're running on very you know, old archaic systems. On the other side, the B2C and uh, the self-service travel, you know, there's a disruption happened during this internet uh, Internet of Things, and um, you know they have been working on the the background of this GDS and all, but they have created some user you know uh, systems or uh, customer facing platforms that help you know, customers to be able to make the the right decisions in the platform. Wherein that on the other side, the B two B platform, it's been working in a very old style. And to add to that, when you say B two B, it doesn't necessarily mean corporate tra- travel, right? You are referring to the channel of selling. So for the most part, for example, Mondi's sales are mostly leisure travel, even though they are booked, uh, like you said, through closed groups, as opposed to that, uh, you know, targeting the consumer directly, which is what the online travel agents do. So this is the main difference here, basically, as opposed to targeting the, the entire world through a broadcasting strategy, which is the, what the online travel agents do. And they spend a lot of money on Google and travel etc. To, to achieve this uh, objective. What Mondi does, it targets certain specific closed groups through which it distributes its content. And like you you rightly said, this is a bigger segment of the market than the B2C. And also, unlike what most people think, this segment of the market is growing faster than the B2C for certain reasons that we can discuss when when we go into market trends, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. And I mean, there's a lot of complexity to it, obviously, and we're going to get into a lot of that in terms of how all of these different uh, transactions work and and how uh, a lot of the deal flow goes. But one of the things I found fascinating is also the way that uh, Mondi is uh, including gig work uh, in the platform. And and so Prasad, could you give me that too? I mean, just how are you incorporating the gig economy into this constellation as well? So let me give you a little bit background of and history and how we transitioned to gig work here. So we, and the close user group and B2B travel side of it, uh, we disrupted a small segment of market and, and we became the largest air wholesaler in North America, in fact, in the world. We created this next generation technology platform for with the super apps and omni-channel marketplace and booking platforms and connected with a, a big global content hub with 500 plus airlines, direct connects, and uh, with the 1 million plus hotels and ancillaries. And we created a mega platform and became the de facto operating 
you know, system for gig economy travel. So as we part of this journey, uh, we learned a lot of things changing, the trends with the, the travelers and the channels that support the travelers have been changing. The trends such as for the travelers, you know, it's more the decision making is being made by these millennials and Generation Z workers, the RZ, you know, travelers. We call them as gig travelers and they look for personalization. They look for trip you know, experiences. They look for making transactions in their ecosystem. And none of these features and none of these uh, needs are being you know, taken care of by any of our existing companies or you know, the mega companies existed in the market. So we see that as an opportunity. We take our base platform and we built technology platform pre-COVID and then, you know, we spent so much time during the COVID taking this as an opportunity. We doubled our efforts, our efforts into creating this platform for the gig workers that satisfy the needs of these gig travelers and the, the channels that support the gig travelers could be, you know, the changes that are happening on channels. The travel agencies becomes more of gig agents or, you know, the travel affiliates or part-time workers and uh, home-based agents and this new trend that's happening. And uh, also with the corporate travel becoming more home-based, work-from-home scenarios and travel with the self-servicing and all of that stuff. So we have taken those trends, created the platform for both on traveler side of it, taking care of their needs, as, as well as the support side of it, which is with the local experts and gig travelers and influencers on the other side of it. And we created the platform to connect both of them. So, so Nick, to give you an analogy, basically, uh, what Mondi did initially, he basically disrupted the travel agency segment of the market, right? So using the analogy of, uh, of transport, right? In the beginning, there were taxi drivers, right? And then Uber came, which is the paradigm of the gig economy, and transformed a huge part of the population into effectively drivers. So this is exactly what Mondi is doing. It captured the, the travel agency segment of the market, which is the equivalent of the taxi driver, and now as this market is being transformed, Mondi is becoming the pioneer and the leader in converting huge cohorts of the population into effectively, uh, you know, gig travel agents, right? It could be a teacher working from home, that part of the time, uh, you know, she's a teacher and then part of the time she says travel. Uh, it could be a, a real estate agent. It could be an Uber driver in the same way that it works in the gig economy with, uh, you know, uh, deliveries with Uber, et cetera, right? So that's kind of the analogy here, but in the context of travel as opposed to transport. One of the other things that struck me in your materials is the way that Mondi bridges some of the legacy structures of the marketplace with some of the, the newer things like GDS and NDC. Could you talk a bit about how that all comes together? From the Mondi's, the systems that we created in the segment of this travel agency market, it has given us the scale, you know, and the uh, the size of you know reaching out to various segment of the travel markets. So we have created three billion dollars in 2019, a 40 percent kegel between 2015 to 2019, and a 62 percent growth, including our acquisitions. All of these things that we have achieved helped us to create the platforms you know that works for this gig world. One from the learning the trends, and two to apply our experience and our knowledge of creating these platforms for a segment of market. And three is to take that, implement it with the customer base that we have it and with the new types of customer personas and see the value of it. So we brought this new technology platform that's more based on the conversational commerce, not like just giving a booking platform on internet, conversational commerce platforms. We brought the FinTech platforms 
that helps the travelers to make the transaction seamlessly within their ecosystem. We created this super app platform where the traveler doesn't need to go to multiple places to make their bookings. For example, if someone wants to make a travel to a place, they have to look for one place for air, the other place for hotel, the other place for hotel reviews. In that area, what are the 10 things need to do? And they have to go and browse that on the net. They are, you know, con- the curating that content. Wherein in this platform that we connected that user to the local experts and who knows that knowledge. Hey, at this time, in order you to be getting this super experience or servicing the customer with the right needs. So we connected both products and services using our platform it makes that as the operating system between the travelers and the gig workers. So, so Marlan, to add to that, basically, we solved at the same time the problem of, uh, you know, our customers, who are the travel agents, the travel affiliates, and the suppliers and ultimately the consumer. And you mentioned effectively, you know, the GDSs, the blue screens. Uh, there was a lot of tech deficit in the place. We did incorporate those systems. Those systems were perfectly in, 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 in harmony with, uh, with Mondi. But effectively, what the company did, it came and created a, a more friendly uh, graphics-based interface as opposed to the command-based systems uh, that were there before. You know, another analogy there is like the transition from MS-DOS to Windows. So that's kind of the technology transition that Mondi resolved. And at the same time, it came and added to that the discounted or privately negotiated content which wasn't readily available on the prior technologies, solving the second issue that travel, you know, our customers, the travel affiliates had. And at the same time, we are solving the issue of the original suppliers, which are the airlines and the hotels that always have excess capacity. So even in 2019, 30% of international flights, 30% of the seats on an average international flight were vacant. So the, the supplier is looking for a way to sell this inventory at a discount or at a different rate without cannibalizing its existing sales channels, which are the direct sales channels of the airlines, the online travel agents, et cetera. So this is precisely what Mondi does. And the advantage, going back to the beginning, the way we differ is that we sell to closed groups. We don't sell to the whole world. We sell to very specific targeted groups. And that's why the airlines and the hotels, they feel comfortable handing us this, this discounted inventory because we are not broadcasting it to the rest of the world just like uh, the online travel agents do. So effectively, at the same time, by introducing this tech and this ecosystem, we are solving the problems of both the suppliers, the original suppliers, the airlines and the hotels, and our customers who are distributors of travel, travel agents, affiliates, et cetera. Got it. And you briefly mentioned acquisitions. It seems like M&A has also formed a large part of how Mondi has grown thus far in distribution, technology, and content. So which of those channels do you see the most potential for further acquisitions? So historically, we have a dual growth of dual growth engines. One is the organic you know, through our technology platforms and expanding into various segments of the travel. The other one is the M&A platform. So we created a very successful M&A platform, acquired 14 companies and integrated them, you know, successfully. We we looked into the areas where the content expansion or a geographical expansion or a product expansion. So we looked into the various areas of our, you know, strategic uh, vision. And we made those acquisitions and we got the results. Continuing with the same path, we see that there's a huge value in the future in creating uh, in building this platform with the right companies acquired and put it into our platform and be able to make our vision complete. We are looking into the areas of the cruise side of it, you know, you know the bringing these cruise products. 
expanding into more geographies beyond North America and Europe and all. So there are you know, some high growth areas out there geographically. We are expanding in that areas. And we are expanding into this content, bringing this user-generated content beyond just the supplier content, bring the user-generated content into our platform to offer to our customers from a crowdsourced you know, service and expert hub. And to add to that, effectively, I mean, one unique feature of Mondi is that it has historical profitability, right? Which is not very usual in the SPAC world. It was, it had a 40 million or so EBITDA prior to the pandemic. Now it has returned already uh, to profitability now that the market uh, is recovering. So the company is cash flow positive. So it doesn't need the SPAC proceeds for its organic or operating growth. And just sort of in general, I, I want to talk about timing a bit, but Orestes, you've spent a, a lot of time behind the curtain in the, in the hospitality industry as well. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, the, the industry in general is recovering right now. And so just, you know, what were some of the signs you were starting to see already that made you decide that now is the, the right high upside moment to, to start reinvesting in, in travel? So effectively, like you rightly said, the sponsors of this pack uh, is the founders of Ithaca Capital, and also of an investment bank called Axia Ventures. Travel is one of the areas of our focus. For Ithaca Capital, we exclusively uh, invest in travel and hospitality. And precisely, this is the reason we raised the SPAC to start with. So if you go and you review the documents of the SPAC, we said, look, I mean, we are a private equity player. That's what we, we are, right? We, deep, we mostly do deep value private equity uh, turnaround stories and investments. So in the middle of COVID, we could see a clear arbitrage. What, what do I mean by that? We were transacting in the private domain at deep discounts to the pre-pandemic reality. But then in the public markets, if you, took, if you take any player in travel, right, even the traditional hotel operators, crews, whatever, whatever, seven, eight months into the pandemic, many of them with their revenues down 70, 80, 90%, their stock was trading at historic highs. So it created this disconnect between private and public valuation, which existed at this point in time. It didn't exist in energy or technology or whatever. It existed specifically in travel, right? And that is why we raised the, the spike because the, the pandemic was always going to be an event that was going to go away, right? It was just a matter of time. The, the world was going to be locked up forever in this kind of uh, permanent lockdown. Right? It just doesn't work. So effectively, the idea is that let's place capital in a private company at a private valuation, take it public, take advantage of this arbitrage, and then take advantage of the post-pandemic recovery which, like you said, has been happening since 2021. So that's kind of, that was kind of the concept. And this is what we executed through this uh, very interesting and compelling transaction. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. to get the Prasad side of that as well. You know, given that there's multiple strategies involved in this transaction at the same time, but at the same time, you know, with Mondi, you had the opportunity to, to do continued private raises or, yeah. uh, or, or try to get on an IPO path at some point. What were some of the things about the SPAC route and um, the strategy here with IFAX that, that seemed most attractive? One, the opportunity has a window here, right? I mean, the, especially with the COVID-19 and the M&A opportunities in the market and accelerating trends in the market from the, you know, the, 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 the traveler and, you know, the channel side of it. We feel that the time to market is very critical for us to get there and be able to make certain transactions and be able to continue with our plans. And the partnership, the reason why we looked into uh, ITAX Capital is their deep experience in the hospitality and the travel industry. As we started working with uh, RSTs, Dimitri, and other 
team members, the chemistry and the, the common goals that we are trying to solve here makes it more, more sense for us to think about creating this team and going into this opportunity, timely taking the right steps, you know, with this SPAC structure. So we could have gone with the, the private route or an IP route. The plans are set in there. However, the timing of it and the, the value that brings by this common team makes us a better value as an overall company. And for that reason, we went ahead with this plan. To add to that, from the perspective of kind of, a, you know, looking at the, the market and the alternatives, I mean, being public totally made sense for Mundi because effectively, in some ways, it is a roll-up platform. So if you grow so much with MA, having a public listed currency, which are your stock, to supercharge that is very relevant, right? If you look at the history and, and the background, most of the roll-up platforms are pri- public companies, they're not private. Now, to your question, the company could have evaluated, uh, which it did, an IPO uh, route, but the IPO route would have taken one and a half plus years. Is short, right? So SPAC, the SPAC route would give the liquidity to the company. And, and this, is pre- this is another easy way of looking at this transaction, right? We're valuing this company 10 times EBITDA. And then, of course, when the multiple normalizes, we think we'll trade 16, 17, 18 times EBITDA. So, so to your point, having evaluated all the options, the SPAC route uniquely in this particular situation made sense. And one thing that I've noticed is a lot of the individual businesses that make up the travel booking space turn very low margins. So how has Mondi been able to achieve 25% adjusted EBITDA margins in 2019 and 30% projected for 2023? It's a great question. So we historically... We have been working in that space with two major revenue streams. One is the, the, the customer markups, the other one is supplier commissions. Starting 2019, we deployed new technology platforms out there that adds the new revenue streams, expand our revenue streams into the fintech revenue streams, and the subscription revenue streams, ancillaries, okay, and various new revenue streams that we added to our platform that has substantially changed the outlook of that and be able to get these higher margins. Granted that you know, we, there is some of that is going to normalize as we make the progress and expanding and scaling, but these new revenue streams really worked us to bring a better margins and a better uh, outlook for us. Yeah, so basically, uh, to add to that, effectively, like Prasad said, uh, the simple model of Mondi uh, previously would buy a ticket $800 and sell it back to back. By the way, that's an important point. We don't take any inventory risk. We're a marketplace. We'd sell it back to back for $850. So we'd make a customer markup uh, with the suppliers, the GDSs, the airlines would give us commissions, overrides, kickbacks, et cetera. That, that is kind of the traditional marketplaces that you refer to. But now when Mondi basically captured and became the main de facto operating system in the space, it created the opportunity to add, it, add all these ancillary revenue streams. We offer, for example, uh, you know, insurance. Insurance solutions, not just to our distributors, to the end consumer. We offer them payment platforms, fintech solutions, fraud protection tools. All these revenue streams, not only they are more recurring and stickier, but they are higher margin. And these are not typical revenue streams that you see in a marketplace, right? And this is a very important point because the way we underwrote this transaction, right, very conservatively, we just applied the EBITDA multiples of a typical marketplace. However, tech or fintech or subscription revenue streams, usually in the markets, they command by far higher valuation market. So this is a, this is a huge uh, opportunity for Mondi as the revenue streams uh, diversify and increase the percentage of these more stickier and higher margin revenue streams the valuation of the company will uh, should basically grow because like i said you know fintech companies are not valued at 10 times ebitda for example so 
And, and so there are uh, obviously a few years in between that I'd like to dive much more into in, in 2020 and 2021 with the pandemic, which was hard for the entire industry. So how did Mondi fare during that time? And, and did it force you to adjust your broader strategy at all? Not adjusted, we expanded our strategy, right? So we doubled down our efforts into creating this technology platforms uh, adopt to this new gig world that we know that it's going to you know this whole industry is transforming into so we created the technology platform and invested money into it and uh, we focused on things like diversifying these new revenue streams like i mentioned that increases our margins and the future outlook so we have we we spent a lot of time in doing that and be able to achieve that in numbers in 2021 and we focused on acquiring the the right targets during this pandemic, we did seven companies that we acquired successfully and integrated into our platform. That is very much required for our future. So we have done as the other you know companies are spending their money you now and time towards surviving and um, increasing their marketing cost. We went into a different route, you know, double downing our efforts in our technology platform and the new revenue streams, uh, M&A acquisitions that really sets the stage for our future. As a private equity professional, I mean, I, I was impressed by the discipline uh, of the company. Most of the players out there, they just kept throwing more marketing dollars on a very soft market. But the practical uh, way to look at the pandemic was an opportunity to focus on building the components that create the growth. It modernized even further its technology platform, right? I mean, remember, most of the online travel agents, et cetera, et cetera, is the same tech from the 90s, right? So for Mondi, COVID was the opportunity to focus on modernizing its technology even more. And like Prasad said, go and expand uh, its distribution and its content through acquisitions at now very, very depressed valuations during COVID. So in a way, the company acted like a private equity fund. Uh, during the pandemic as opposed to, uh, you know, an operating company. So that, to me, as a professional from the space, it's very rare to see this discipline from management teams in times of crisis. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And we've talked about a little bit, you know, in terms of just the the value prop uh, here with looking at it just purely from an EBITDA standpoint for, with Mondi. But as you're talking to analysts and, and things like that, what are some of the other kind of valuation metrics that really stand out to you in terms of Mondi? And, and, and how do you tell that story, you know, in a situation where the, the pandemic's kind of thrown a wrench in everything for the last couple of years? So basically, the first thing that I would like to highlight there, like you mentioned, we value this company based on EBITDA, not based on some futuristic uh, hope of the revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So we grounded this valuation in reality, even at the time when we closed the transaction, it was at a discount to the publicly market comps. Now, an interesting point here, which is one of the reasons that has made this transaction even more compelling, is that we locked this valuation back in the summer of 21. Since then, all the travel stocks have rallied. So now somebody has the unique opportunity to invest in a travel stock at the pandemic valuation. Right, which is kind of a, a big disconnect. And it's the ARP that we had discussed, you know, which was the idea, original idea of doing the transaction to start with. Now, the other thing which is very relevant here is that this company has consistently overperformed even the revenue and EBITDA metrics. So going, going beyond the EBITDA and going to revenues, for example, that you mentioned is another metric here. You may have seen a few weeks ago, we announced uh, the 2021 audit uh, of the company, you know, as part of the closing of the transaction. And we overperformed what we had shown to the pipe markets last year by 43% in terms of revenues. So this is another important point because not only is the EBITDA multiple compelling at the discount, which was already a good one and now became even bigger as you know, this rally in travel stocks has, uh, has kind of taken pace, but also in terms of the performance of the company, 
this company has consistently overperformed the targets. And this is what we intend to do, you know, as we write the history of this company uh, in, the, in the public markets. And, and Prasad, I'm also just interested in your side of the conversations and the, the transaction as well. And just as you were embarking on all of this, you know, what are some of the things that the IFAX team you feel like really going to be adding to the company moving forward? And, and, and what were some of the specific bits of, of the expertise that they're bringing that, uh, that interested you? Their experience in the, in the travel industry, hospitality industry, is a huge plus. The connections and the business development side of it, and they have been helping in bringing a, a huge value, you know, working as a team. Although that we are working from both company and SPAC, but uh, there's been a good chemistry and uh, collaboration here. And uh, we are looking forward to have a, a stronger relationship and to be able to achieve a great value for the business and by bringing best of both of our, our, our uh, skills and to make this company successful. That's the thing. Going back to how this company differs, right, from, from the online marketplaces out there, this is a company that sells to closed groups, right? This is where everything is starting from. Now, one way to expand closed groups is to capture them organically. Another way is through M&A. Another one is through strategic relationships, right? So uh, we have added users to the, to the ecosystem of Mondi through relationships that we brought from other portfolio companies, other relationships in the space. So to us, it was a great fit. Definitely. And what do you think is the most exciting new thing that's coming ahead for your corner of the industry? The change. So, <laughs> so the, it, it is um, that the, the whole industry is at inflex point in every area that you take it. Whether you're talking about OTAs, same same thing for the last 20, 30 years, you know. And and if you're talking about a GDS or if you're talking about even a, in a corporate the traditional corporate companies. They are working on this old legacy platforms and, you know, legacy, you know, traditional, you know, rules set. But I think the change that is coming in and the technology that disrupting that market and uh, the new type of customer base and the trends in the both traveler side of it and the gig economy workers are going to make a big difference, big shift. And I think whoever can focus and deliver the results in those areas can be a very relevant players in the future, which we, we believe that we are one of them. I mean, if you look at travel industry, right, it's kind of a, it's been around for decades, if not millennia in other forms, right? And then the, the last disruption that happened was in the 90s. And it was, it was triggered by the internet. The big thing was the internet. And this, is, and this, was, a, this was something that kind of affected like the baby boomer. The internet in these days, in our days now, is just another commodity. It's just like the old telephone line in a way. Now, the consumers have totally been transformed, right? It's, not, it's no longer the, the boomers that are, that are driving uh, the pace of travel. It is the Gen Z, you know, it is, uh, it is the millennials. So these, for these consumers, like I said before, the internet is something that happened 40 years ago. It's, not, it's, it's nothing exciting for these consumers. It's all about social media. It's all about smartphones and being connected all online. It's all about, it's all about access to curated content, not just the template the content that you find on the typical online travel agent. So to us, this is the biggest transformation in the, in the space, which is transforming the entire distribution channels of the traveling. We discussed, for example, how the travel agents became gig economy workers and home-based it. The next evolution in the transformation is influencers, right? The biggest thing in travel is influencers. You go to social media, you see millions of people that have even more millions of followers, right? And the only way that they're monetizing, monetizing now these followers is by they come to our hotels, they do some barter arrangements, they say, I'll take a photo of me in your, in your hotel pool and I'll give you, uh, give me 500 bucks, give me a free room night. 
right? right? This is what is happening now. Imagine now if all these influencers had a technology platform, exactly like the one that Mondi gave to the gig economy and the Uber age. And now they could use this platform, just like Uber has one platform for the driver and one for the passenger, one for the influencer now, and one for their followers to monetize all these cohorts by selling them travel. Great. There's so much that's interesting there, but uh, you know we are running low on time. But before I let you gentlemen go, could you give just a quick update in terms of the timeline of the closing of the transaction? Yes. I, I, one thing I would like to highlight, which is again linked to the timeline, is that uh, as you have seen, uh, you know one of the most challenging uh, elements now for a SPAC is to raise a pipe, and even the few the few SPACs that have raised the pipe, they are mostly structured products, you know, like convertible instruments or preferred or, or some discount on the, uh, on the $10 valuation. Mondi has uniquely, and, and with the IFX transaction, we have uniquely raised an all-equity pipe in December. $50 million, we announced it all-equity at 10, which was, was already unique uh, to start with. And now very recently, in a few days ago, you have seen in the financial press, Financial Times and a few other publications have picked up on this, that we have added to that time at the same $10 valuation, right? And this is testament of, you know, how attractive this company is, the valuation, the management, the growth. I mean, this, this is, to me, the most exciting story in travel tech, travel tech, because not only is it a high growth story, growing more than 40%, but it's also a profitable story. So it's both a value and a growth story, right? And it's because of this reason, and of course, you know, this, this gap in valuations, which is the result of the, of the rally in the travel markets, that we are able to add to the already uh, all equity pipe, which now uh, it's also in the public domain that we have gone through the second round of our SEC process, you know, of receiving comments. So we are only, uh, I would say, less than a few months or uh, weeks away from, you know, uh, receiving this approval and, and closing the, the, the transaction. Well. It's going to be, as Prasad said, you know, there's so much change coming. It's just going to be so fun to continue to watch both this company and and this market. And you said there, there's there's a lot of complexity in this market, but there's a lot of interesting and and pretty pretty simple and straightforward stories about Mondi. You know, one of which is being uh, that investors have the opportunity to buy a pandemic travel company for the post pandemic, but uh, you know, at a pandemic price. It's going to be really interesting just to see how this all rolls out. And uh, and thanks so much, both you gentlemen, for being on. Thank you very much. Thank you Thank so you much. Yeah.